I'm going to begin tonight at Genesis chapter 11, and I'm, I'm speaking on the subject, the Tower of Babel. We talked about the creation, we talked about the fall of man, we talked about the flood, and we're talking tonight about the Tower of Babel. These are stepping stones along the path throughout the Word of God, and, uh, and so I want, to, I want to talk with you about them um, the creation of God is his original design and intent, his desire for mankind, humanity, and his creation of man and woman, male and female, created he them in his image. And, uh, and he breathed into man's nostrils the breath of life. Man became a living soul. He took from the rib of man, made a woman. He set them eastward in a garden of Eden, empowered them to tend to that garden, and it was such a beautiful thing that the Lord had given to man. He gave him dominion over all the earth that he had created. And man gave away that dominion. He relinquished that dominion to the serpent in the garden. And, and so then he, by doing so, gave authority to the serpent. And, and, and I want you to know that it was never God's intent for the enemy to have authority over you. God had always intended for you to have authority in him. And so God restores that authority to us in Jesus Christ. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. The fall of man occurred and the fall of man developed into an absolute abysmal uh, set of circumstances where the thought of every man was only evil continually. And it brought things to such a culmination of events that God repented that he had ever created man and he and he poured out his wrath upon the earth and judged it with the flood the great flood and this flood uh, brought waters from the windows of heaven and it brought up waters from the great fountains of the deep that broke forth from the earth and the earth was flooded and every living thing everything that had the breath of life uh, was in fact uh, destroyed in that flood. Every beast of the field and every, every man and woman. And uh, the only ones to survive was Noah because he found grace in the eyes of the Lord. And the Lord spared Noah and he used Noah to spare his creation. And seven of the clean and two of the unclean were brought into the ark, male and female, and, and they were spared. And they were able to survive. Now we come to this place where that the generations descending from Noah are now overspread throughout the earth. And they were divided in their lands. And the Bible says that, that at this time the whole earth was of one language and of one speech. This is a, a significant turning point in the history of mankind because as of Genesis 11 the whole earth was of one language and of one speech and it came to pass in verse 2 of Genesis 11 as they journeyed from the east that they found a plain in the land of Shinar and they dwelt there and they said one to another go to let us make brick and burn them thoroughly and they had brick for stone, and slime had they for mortar. 
And they said, go to, let us build a city and a tower whose top may reach unto heaven. And let us make a name, lest we be scattered abroad upon the face of the whole earth. And the Lord came down to see the tower which the children of men builded. And the Lord said, Behold, the people is one, and they have all one language. And this they begin to do, and nothing will be restrained from them which they have imagined to do. Go to, let us... Go down and there confound their language that they may not understand one another's speech. So the Lord scattered them abroad from thence upon the face of all the earth and they left off to build the city. Therefore is the name of it called Babel because the Lord did there confound the language of all the earth And from thence did the Lord scatter them abroad upon the face of all the earth. The Lord had commissioned them to go into all the earth. The Lord had commissioned them to be fruitful and to multiply and to replenish the earth. And they had other plans. And they journeyed east to a place called Shinar. Now, this place, Shinar, uh, it really was... There's so many lessons to be learned and gleaned from this moment in biblical history. And not the least of which is that man, left to his own devices, will always try to do something different than God had commanded him to do. And that's exactly what happened here in the land of Shinar. They came to a place and they disregarded what the Lord had said when he said spread throughout the earth. Go and inhabit all of the earth. God was trying to give man a clean slate. God was trying to give man a new beginning. And man decided that he would resist the command of the Lord. And instead of going throughout the earth as God had instructed them to do, they go to a place and they said, let us build a city and let us build a tower that will reach unto heaven and let us make a name so that we be not scattered abroad upon the face of the earth. So they are in definitive rebellion against what the Lord had commanded them to do to go out into all the earth. It is so interesting that the Lord is continually telling mankind to go into all the world. Always. He said it to Adam and Eve. Be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth. He said it to Noah's descendants. Go into all the earth. Go into all the earth and live and enjoy and, 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 and go where I send you. And then he said to his new covenant people, that would be us. Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. There is a redemption of God for everything that he created. He's going to redeem everything. He's going to redeem this earth from destruction. He's going to redeem mankind. He's going to redeem the thing he created. And so he said, go into all the world. And and here we see them. They refuse to do it. They go to a place called Shinar. And there they build a tower. They make a city. 
and they decide they're going to make a name and they are all of one speech and they are all of one language. Now this place in Shinar became known as the place of Babel and the reason that it is called Babel is because there the Lord did confound their language. There the Lord did confound their speech and from there God did spread them out upon all the face of the earth. Babel uh, became became a, a source from which great wickedness uh, began to, to emerge upon the earth. Uh, Babel was one of those places, became the city of Babylon. Uh, of course, this is in the Mesopotamian region. Uh, one of the cities that, was, that came out of Babel, and Brother Johnson taught so beautifully last week about Jonah. Amen. Such a wonderful uh, word from the Lord. And Jonah went to a place called Nineveh. The Lord sent him to a place called Nineveh. And in Nineveh was a great and wicked city. In the days of Jonah, it was a great and wicked city. And, and uh, Asher came out from Babel and, and went on to Nineveh. These cities were cities where there was much uh, humanism. There was, there was much human effort and human designs for how life was to be lived. And, and man always veers off into the path of, of, of entertaining the unclean things and entertaining the subtleties of the devil himself. And so that's what would happen in Babylon. That's what would happen in, uh, in Nineveh. And as a matter of fact, when the Bible deals with the matter of Antichrist uh, later on and deals with the references to uh, a religious connection to wickedness it calls it Mystery Babylon. And the reason that it says Mystery Babylon is because that religious infrastructure has connected itself. The Bible says committed whoredoms with and committed fornication with the kings of the earth and, and has incorporated all manner of unclean teachings and philosophies and all manner of, of wickedness and paganism and polytheism. And incorporated it into a religious construct. And so it's called Mystery Babylon. And, and it has its roots in these early days of Genesis chapter 11. When that place was called Babel. Because there the Lord did confound their language. And he confounded their speech at that place. Where man decided he didn't need the instruction of the Lord. That he was okay to ignore the command of God that he could do his own thing be careful if you start thinking that way that's why ladies and gentlemen this holy word of God has to be the lamp to our feet the light to our path it has to be hidden in our heart do you know why it must be hidden in our heart the psalmist said so in Psalm 119 11 he said thy word have I hid in mine heart that I might not sin against thee that's why we hide the word of God in our heart it's not just so we can quote scripture it's not just so we can learn some kind of ancient piece of literature no no we hide the word of God in our heart that we might not sin against the Lord sin brings death Sin isn't the little, the little kitty cat that you think it is. It's a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. And, and so you don't play with it. You, you run from it. You flee from it. And, and, and so, so that's what sin is. And you have to have an abhorrence for sin. And if you don't hate sin yet, 
get ready because you will. You will hate sin when it's all said and done. You'll hate it with everything inside of you. As tempting as it was at one time, it will develop such a distaste to you because of how much damage and carnage it has wreaked and will have wreaked in your life and the havoc it has caused to you in your home and in your own mind, and you will grow to hate that thing called sin. And so it's better to do it now upon the instruction and command of the Lord than it is to wait until sin has had its way in your life and you are left crippled spiritually, emotionally, mentally, physically, financially, and on and on it goes. Amen. Walk away from sin and walk in the ways of the Lord. Hallelujah. Walk in the ways of the Lord. Notice what has happened here. The Bible says they are all of one speech. They're all of one language. And they go down to build a city and to build a tower that will reach unto the heavens. Now they are clearly, they're wanting to reach unto the heavens. This has always been the objective of man. To reach unto the heavens. Even now we're trying to go to Mars. Even now we're trying to go back to the moon. Because it has always been the objective of man to reach unto the heavens. And, and I, I submit, I believe that the reason is because eye hath not seen and ear hath not heard. Neither has it entered into the heart of man all that the Lord has prepared for us. Jesus himself said, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you, I go to prepare a place for you that where I am there ye may be also. I'm telling you, this is a great big universe that God has created. And he created it for man. Hallelujah. And he said, fill this earth and populate this earth and replenish this earth. Go into the four corners of the earth. And when man fell and fell into sin and was in an, in an unredeemed and unregenerate state, he said to man again after, after signing a new covenant with his own blood and putting his name on that covenant and welcoming whosoever will to come into that covenant, again he says, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. God is trying to fill this earth with his glory. Hallelujah. Now we're getting ready to go into the matter of the fact that God brought a great end to this building of a tower that would reach unto the heavens. And we're going to talk about that here in a moment. That is a recurring theme of the scriptures that the kingdoms of man will fall and the kingdom of God will prevail. It's a recurring theme of the scriptures, that the kingdoms of man will crumble and that the kingdom of God will absolutely prevail. In fact, Nebuchadnezzar in Babylon, no less, at this same general proximity and location, he has a dream, he's, he's taken over the world, and he has a dream, and he does not remember the dream. Nobody's able to communicate what the interpretation of the dream is because they don't know the nature of the dream yet. And they were exposed as the frauds they always were. Because before, 
Nebuchadnezzar, we're in Daniel 2 now, Nebuchadnezzar would, would wake up and say, all right, this was my dream. You know, I was walking down the road and, and uh, there was an apple tree and, you know, pick the apple, whatever. I don't know what the dream was. But then they would say, oh, well, the road was this and the tree was that and the apple was this. And, and he thought they were wise men. That morning he woke up and said, I have a dream, but I don't know what it was. So I need you guys to turbocharge all the stuff you know. And they, they said, well, you got to give us something to work with. <laughs> you got to give us some details that we can make up a good story and make you believe it. We, because we can't come up with it on our own. And so he realized, I've been dealing with a bunch of charlatans. I've been dealing with people who are not what they claim to be. And he was going to have every wise man in the countryside murdered for this. And, and word reached Daniel that everybody was going to be murdered. All the wise men were going to be murdered. Well, he was considered a wise man. That meant he was going to be murdered. And Daniel was like, whoa, wait a minute. Hold up. The king had a dream? Yeah. I'll tell him what the dream was. I'll tell him what the dream was right now. Not by my own power. Not by my own might. But I will tell him what the dream was. I know God and God's not done with me and he'll give me the word. And Daniel walked into that throne room of the king and he said, King, the thoughts of thy head upon thy bed were these. And he began to describe an image that had a golden head and silver shoulders and a belly of brass and legs of iron and feet of iron and clay. And as he descended down that statue in, in vivid description, it all started coming back to Nebuchadnezzar and he realized Daniel is restoring the memory of my mind concerning the dream I had and and he said you're right that's exactly what I I dreamt now well, well what does it mean and he said that golden head was your kingdom and your kingdom is going to be replaced by another kingdom and it will be lesser in strength and it will be the silver shoulders represent that next kingdom that's coming. And after that, there's a kingdom that is represented by the belly of brass. And the, the lesser metal indicates the lower degree of strength of this kingdom. And on and on, the kingdoms degraded in value and, and, and ultimately ended up with the, with the kingdom of the Antichrist. And so while he's looking at this, he said, it also in your dream, there was a stone that was hewn out of the mountain without the hands of man. And that stone came to the image that was in your dream, and it struck the image at the feet, at the kingdom of the Antichrist. And it struck that image, and the whole image fell. And when it fell... All those kingdoms came to a screeching halt. And I'm going to tell you something, ladies and gentlemen. There are remnants of each of those kingdoms in the political philosophies and ideologies that we have in our world presently. And they are culminating into an end of all things. And I'm telling you what's going to bring it all down is the gospel of Jesus Christ. And it's hewn without the hands of man. This is indicative of the fact that the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. They are not carnal. They are not with use of man's hands. They are not brought about by the manipulation or the management or the manufacturing. Man's hands don't have anything to do with it. It's the work of Almighty God. And if you want to be a part of it, get on board. And if you don't, you'll suffer the fate of every kingdom of this world. That stone struck the feet of that 
image and the whole image and all the kingdoms that it represented came tumbling, crumbling down. And that stone stood in its place. And that stone began to grow and grow and grow until the rock became a mountain and the mountain filled the whole earth. And Daniel said to the king, that mountain is the kingdom of the God of heaven. have mercy don't you know that's the same rock that had water coming out of it in the wilderness don't you know that's the same rock jesus was referencing when he said upon this rock i will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against the church oh hallelujah glory to god every kingdom is going to fall every political ideology is going to fall Every political philosophy that is against God is going to come crashing to the ground. And it will be replaced by the only thing that stands the test of time. And that is the rock of ages. Hallelujah. Cleft for me. Let me hide myself in thee. Woo, hallelujah. Glory to the name of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. You know, Nebuchadnezzar heard that interpretation. In Daniel chapter 2 and he was so enraged at, well at first he was grateful at first he felt he felt relieved because he had just been told and ministered to concerning the nature of his dream and the interpretation thereof but then he became enraged and this rage is evidenced in the next chapter chapter 3 opens up with Nebuchadnezzar building a golden statue so now it's not just a statue with a golden head which represented his kingdom. Remember, in his dream, his kingdom was represented by the golden head of the statue. And then the statue had a silver shoulders, belly of brass, legs of iron, and, uh, and then feet of iron and clay. Well, the statue that Nebuchadnezzar built didn't look like that. It had a golden head, and it had golden shoulders, and it had golden belly, and it had golden legs, and it had golden feet. In other words... There aren't going to be any subsequent kingdoms to my kingdom. In other words, Daniel, and your nice little interpretation of my dream about all the silver and brass and iron and clay, not going to happen, Daniel. We're going to just let it be all my kingdom forever and ever and ever and ever. And he, he built that thing and said, everybody worship this image. And if you don't worship this image, I'll throw you into the furnace that does burn with fire. And famously, there were three Hebrew young men by the names of Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. When they were brought into the Babylonian captivity, their names were changed to reflect the gods of the Babylonians. And they were called Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego and those three young men stood there and refused to bow to this image listen they weren't just refusing to worship an idol that is admirable in itself that they would not worship an, a golden idol but but that was not the only thing that they were objecting to they were they were refusing to worship the idea that the kingdom of Christ is not coming they knew that the rock is going to bring this kingdom down. 
And when they were commanded by Nebuchadnezzar to worship this image, they were refusing on the grounds of no. This is not the kingdom that lasts forever. This is not the perpetual kingdom. This is not the kingdom of Messiah. This is not our Savior. This is not our Lord. They said, we will not bow. And he said, if you don't, I'll throw you into the fiery furnace. And they said, throw us into the furnace that burns with fire. And they said, if you do, our God is able to deliver us. Hallelujah. I love it. They had faith in the power of God. Our God is able to deliver us. Then they said, and if he chooses not to deliver us, because remember, ladies and gentlemen, God is God. And it is, to the, it is the prerogative of God. It is the prerogative of God where his mercy is shown. He said, I will have mercy upon whom I'll have mercy. And I'll have compassion upon whom I'll have compassion. And they did not begrudge God that. They said, if he chooses not to deliver us, then that's fine too. We're still not going to bow. We put our faith not only in the power of God, but we put our faith in the wisdom of God. And we will not bow to the political ideologies that insist that this is the everlasting kingdom. No, sir. No, ma'am. Every kingdom of this earth is going to come crashing down. And only the gospel of Jesus Christ is going to stand. Only the name of the Lord is going to stand. Only the word of our God is going to stand. Oh, hallelujah. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And so, so here we see... This man, Nimrod, whose beginning was at Babel, the beginning of his kingdom was at Babel, and he leads these people into the construction of this temple or this tower. And, and we see that they come to this place, and they say to one another, Go to, let us make brick. And they had brick for stone, and they had slime for mortar. They said, Let us build a city. Let us build a tower whose top may reach unto heaven. I've often wondered, too, if they're... If they're if their attempt to reach unto heaven had anything to do with their attempt to remove themselves from the earth. Because listen, their city and their tower, they were planning to live on it. They were trying to build a, a, a thing that elevated itself from the earth so that they didn't have to be bothered with the rudiments of the earth. They said, lest we be scattered abroad upon the face of the whole earth, let us build a city and a tower whose top may reach unto heaven. And the Lord came down to see the city and the tower which the children of men builded. Now the Lord had given a promise. He had given a promise and a bow in the heavens as a token for the covenant that he would never flood the earth with water to its destruction. He would never flood the entire earth with water again. And, and yet they, they felt like they needed to be elevated up from the earth. That is really the goal of every human being, to be elevated above the rudiments of this world. The challenge is that they can't do it on their own. They must only do it through Jesus Christ. We, hallelujah, I want you to know, are going to sit together in him in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. And our city is the church, and our tower is the name of the Lord. The, the, the desire for a city and a tower is not what was wrong. It was, it was wrong to put your faith in anything other than the word and the will of God. 
God has a city. God has a tower. He has a vine. And he creates, he creates the, the ecosystem and the infrastructure in his kingdom for all nations of the earth to be blessed. And, and, and these people in Genesis 11 were determined to do it on their own without the Lord. But the Lord came down to see the progress of what they were doing. And he said, behold, the people is one. Behold, they all have one language. And this they begin to do, and now nothing will be restrained from them which they have imagined to do. Go to let us go down and confound their language that they may not understand one another's speech. God came down and he just confounded their language. They woke up one morning and tried to say hello. And one person said aloha. And the other person said guten tag. And they were like, well, what are you saying? And their language was confounded. They, they used to all have the same language. But now all of a sudden their language was confounded and their speech was not understood. And, and, and they began to understand we can't continue the tower. I don't know how long they tried. I don't know how long they tried to make do. All I know is that at some point they determined that it was a futile effort. And they realized we cannot continue the building of this city and the building of this tower. And they left off trying to accomplish that. Now, here's some, interesting, here's some interesting things to note. God recognized that if they are one, if they speak the same language, if they have the same speech, if they're focused on the same priorities, if they come together as one people, there is nothing restrained from them that they cannot do. If they can think it, they can do it when they come together as one. God's opposition to it was not that they were coming together as one to do something it was that they were coming together to do something that would end up in a futile effort it would make promises it could not keep and i want you to know that every time man sets his hand to do something that is not of god god will confound it he will break it down there was a mad maniac man marching through Europe in the 1930s and he was conquering one nation after another. That wasn't that long ago, ladies and gentlemen. And his doctrines of hate were, were taking over whole nations. And this man, Adolf Hitler, was bringing kings to their knees. And all of Europe, if it wasn't for Winston Churchill saying, we'll fight you in the city, we'll fight you in the field, we'll fight you on the seas, we'll fight you, we're just going to fight you. He'd have taken over the whole place. But God stepped in and confounded that because it was of antichrist. And it was of an ungodly nature. And God will confound it every single time. This is why. This is why, ladies and gentlemen, it is, it is, it is important for the saint of God to recognize what is our most potent weapon. Our most potent weapon is prayer and faith in God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Prayer and faith in God. And I'm going to tell you something. You say, well, i got to do something. Well, you won't know what to do till you pray. 
If you try to do something without praying, you're going to do the wrong thing every time. But when you pray, God will give you direction if there's something for you to do. Something, sometimes all you're to do is stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. But if you're supposed to take a step, prayer will illuminate your mind as to what step to take. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. God confounded the work of these people. And it was in the same spirit and in the same context as when he put an angel with a flaming sword that turned every which direction at the entrance of the Garden of Eden after having expelled Adam and Eve from the garden. He expels Adam and Eve from the garden. And when he does, he puts an angel with a flaming sword that turns every which direction. You could not get back into the Garden of Eden once they were expelled. To come back into the Garden of Eden after they were expelled was, was, was an absolute death trap. An angel with a flaming sword turning every which direction. Every direction you went, there was a flaming sword. Good luck with that. And God would not allow them to go back into the Garden of Eden. And some might say, well, that's just cruel. That's just awful that he would never let them go back into the Garden of Eden. But the Bible tells us why. The reason he wouldn't let them back into the Garden of Eden is because now they were fallen. Now they were cursed. Now they were going to be stricken with disease and sickness and sadness and, and murder. Murder was going to abound among humanity. They had disobeyed God and it opened the door to sin and death into their life. And now misery was going to come onto the face of the earth. And, and God said, I must prevent them from re-entering the garden. And this was the reason that they do not eat of the tree of life and live forever in this fallen state. He wants us to live forever, but he doesn't want us to live forever in a fallen state. That's mercy. That's his love for us that says, no, no, I don't want you to live forever in a place of chaos. I don't want you to live forever in a place of murder and havoc and terror. I don't want you to live in a place that's filled with all manner of ungodliness and wickedness. I want you to live forever in peace and love and joy. Yeah, I'm going to give you to eat of the tree of life, but I'm going to come down and make a way for you to escape the awful death that you have created for yourself. Hallelujah. And so that's the same spirit with which he destroyed their work at Babel. He destroyed their work at Babel because they were toying with things they did not understand and they were trying to create something outside of the will of God and God confounded it this is why there are times even in our own lives where we will be intent on doing a thing we will be man we'll be running sprinting marching in a particular direction and then all of a sudden God stops it and you wonder why Here's, here's what we know, just like the children of Israel, the three Hebrew boys who said, if he chooses not to deliver us, we have trust and faith in his wisdom. We know that if it's not the will of God, we don't want it in our lives. I know, I know, if you were God, you'd do things a lot different. Thank God none of us are God. Thank God none of us are God. 
Man, if I had lightning bolts, you just wouldn't want you wouldn't want to live here if I had lightning bolts in my in my fist. You just you just be you just be sitting in a you know on the on the road at a stoplight and a big lightning bolt blow the tr truck up next to you and, and and I'm just having road rage down you know I'm mad at him for cutting me off two blocks away. You don't want me having lightning bolts. You we, we I'm glad God is God. He sees the big picture. He knows all things. He knows what is best for us. And so God steps down into the midst of this and says, no, I want you to fill all the earth. No, I want you to cover the face of the earth. I want you to spread abroad upon the face of the earth. And so God says the only way to do it is to confound the language. The language is the root of it all. And if the language is one, there's nothing that is impossible to them. So he confounds the language so that their vain work and their futile work and their carnal work becomes impossible to accomplish he's saving them from themselves and so so that's what God did when he confounded their language now here's the beautiful thing God wants the whole earth to be of one language God wants the whole earth to be of one speak when the day of Pentecost was fully come they were all with one accord in one place and suddenly there came from heaven the sound as of a rushing mighty wind. And it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as of fire. And it sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost. And began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. There were devout Jews who came to the upper room. And when they walked into the upper room, they, they see people speaking in languages that the people don't understand. But they're the languages that these particular people spoke wherein they were born. They he said, how hear we these men? Are not they all Galileans? How hear we these men speak in our own languages wherein we were born? Language of the Parthians, languages of the Medes, language of the Persians, language of the Pamphylians, languages, language of the Cretes and the Arabians and the Greeks. We hear them declaring the wonderful works of the Lord. They said, what meaneth this? Peter, standing up with the rest of the apostles, said, Men and brethren, these men are not drunk as ye suppose, seeing it is but the third hour of the day. This is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. In the last days, saith God, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. Hallelujah. And your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your old men shall dream dreams, and your young men shall see visions, and on my servants and on my handmaidens will I pour out my spirit in those days, and it shall come to pass that whosoever calleth upon the name of the Lord the same shall be saved you hear what I'm telling you ladies and gentlemen God came to restore us to one language one language you know the Bible talks about speaking with new tongues and it also talks about speaking in an unknown tongue New tongues and an unknown tongue. Now, it doesn't say that the new tongues are unknown. It just says that they're new tongues. There's new tongues and there's the unknown tongue. The, the unknown tongue can be a tongue of man and of angel. It can be a tongue that is right here on this earth somewhere that you don't know. It is unknown to you. And, 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 and it can be a heavenly language. Uh, tongues of men and of angels, Paul described it as being. But then there is the matter of new tongues. 
And I want you to understand this. When you receive the gift of the Holy Ghost, you will speak with an unknown tongue. It will be unknown to you. It is when your tongue is yielded to the Spirit of God and the Spirit of God gives you the utterance to praise Him in a language that you did not learn. You don't know the language. You didn't premeditate the language. You will speak in an unknown tongue the wonderful works of the Lord. Hallelujah. And so, so, and we could go into this in Acts 2, Acts 10, Acts 19. There's several references to, to the, the speaking in an unknown tongue. But, but I, I want to mention also the fact that there's a matter of speaking with new tongues. And I, I, I want to submit to you that the speaking with new tongues is the, in the same context as us becoming new creatures in Christ Jesus. Because if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. 2 Corinthians 5.17. All things are become new. You start thinking in a new way. You start living in a new way. You start treating people in a new way. And you start speaking in new tongues. All of a sudden, your tongue is not the razor-sharp, edgy tongue that whittles people down to size. Your tongue isn't loose with gossip. Your tongue isn't hateful. Your tongue isn't like a sword slicing and dicing whatever you don't agree with. All of a sudden, your tongue has temperance associated with it. Your tongue has patience involved with it. Your tongue has love that covers it. Your tongue has grace. There's the law of kindness. There's the royal law of love and the perfect law of liberty that governs your tongue. That's why the apostle said, let your speech be always with grace, seasoned with salt, that you may know how to answer every man. He's speaking to people who have already spoken in unknown tongues and speak in unknown tongues all the time. He's not telling them to speak with an unknown tongue now. They'll do that. They'll do that as they pray through and they, and they, and they pray. Let the Spirit make intercession for them. Now he's telling them to speak with new tongues. I want you to speak with the new tongues of kindness and love and patience and hope and joy and temperance and gentleness and goodness. <laughs> those, listen, those are the tongues God uses to speak with you. And that is why you can accept things from God that you can't accept from man. Because man, man is man. And we've got, you know, it's a clumsy filter. And it comes through this filter and it's got all kind of Joel on it. And, and it just, it just kind of sounds like Joel and, and it kind of feels like Joel sometimes. That's why I say, God, I want you to purify me. Let me be a vessel that you can use for your glory. Strip me from this word as much as you can. I, I know that I'm, the, I'm a vessel, and so it's going to have a little tint and taint of me on it. But that's what I, what I really want to do is I want to get people into a position where they can hear God for themselves. And like Samuel of old can hear him calling. 
so close that it, it feels like he's in the other room. And you go to whoever's by you saying, did you call me? No, no. It wasn't me that called you. I want you to hear God so clearly that you just open up your heart and say, speak, Lord, for thy servant heareth. I'm going to tell you something. When God starts talking to you like that, he speaks to you with the new tongues of the kingdom of the heaven. And whatever he says to you to do, you will do it because of the sweet sound. The sweet sound of his voice. Hallelujah. I've had God correct me on things I didn't even know needed correction. And if somebody had come to me and tried to correct me with that, who knows how I would have reacted or responded. I hope it would have been with a good attitude and a good spirit. But there's no telling because my flesh is so filthy and my carnal mind is so, so prevalent. When I want to do good, evil tries to wedge its way in. But I want to have a pure spirit and a pure heart. And yet when God begins to talk to me and says, Joel, that's not right you didn't answer that correctly you didn't act the right way you mistreated that person you didn't do this right I don't know how to explain it but it humbles me and I don't get mad and I don't get offensive or offended I just humble and say Lord I hear you talking speak correct purify and cleanse and make me whole I'm going to tell you something when we all start speaking that language nothing shall be impossible to us when we all start speaking the language of the kingdom nothing shall be impossible to us ah, hallelujah too many times we try to bring in our old language into a new kingdom too many times we try to bring our old conversation into a new kingdom try to bring in our old way of talking and old way of thinking into a new kingdom and God says no let me let me make your language one let me make your speech one let me unify you hallelujah and the, and the first way he does it is by saying give me your tongue give me your tongue that unruly evil and once you yield your tongue to him, hallelujah. You know what he said about the tongue? He said this. He said, if you'll give me your tongue, I can, I can bridle your whole body. He said, it's like the horse with the bit in his mouth. That little bitty bit. Hallelujah. That little bitty. You know, that's where we get the word bitty. It's from bit. Little itty bitty. It's so small. And you put it in the mouth of that horse and this massive beast is turned by this little bit that's in the horse's mouth. And, and, and that's, he said, that's like your tongue. He said, even the massive ship, you turn this massive ship and it's this small helm that, that, that is turning this huge ship. And whithersoever the governor turns it, the whole ship begins to move in the direction that the governor has led the helm. He said, that's the way the tongue is. If you will give me your tongue, that's what we do when we repent of our sins, are baptized in his name, and are filled with the Holy Ghost. We yield our tongue to him. Hallelujah. He 
gets a hold of our tongue, starts praising himself through us in an unknown tongue. My tongue is now yielded to him. He can take control of my whole body. And now my body belongs to God. And I don't live the way I used to live. But, 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 but he wants not only to give you an unknown tongue, but he wants to give you new tongues. He wants to give you a new tongue in the way you talk to your family. A new tongue in the way you talk to your co-worker. A new tongue in the way that you deal with the issues and stresses of life. A new tongue. Hallelujah. Glory to God. I'm going to tell you something. He's going to bring down the towers we build, and he's going to lift up the name of the Lord that is a strong tower. The righteous run into it, and they are safe. He's going to tear down the cities that we try to construct, and he's going to build up the city of Zion, the city of David, the heavenly Jerusalem, the city of our God. Hallelujah. When we come to this mountain, we do not come to the mountain that did burn with blackness and darkness and tempest and vapors of smoke but we have come unto Mount Zion we have come unto a heavenly Jerusalem the city of our God the spirits of just men made perfect an innumerable company of angels hallelujah when he finished that up in Hebrews chapter 12 he opens up Hebrews chapter 13 by saying let brotherly love continue Oh, hallelujah. Let brotherly love continue. When we do that, there is nothing that will be restrained from us. Whatever we have imagined to do, whatever the Lord has put in our hearts, we can do it when we love one another and speak in the language of the kingdom. Could you lift your hands and praise the Lord with me right now in the name of Jesus? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Could you do that right now in the name of Jesus? Blessed be the name of the Lord. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Come on, whatever kingdom you've put your faith in, let's go ahead and let God tear it down right now. Glory to God. Whatever kingdom of this world, glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Go ahead and stand with me. And as you do, hear, hear what I'm telling you. In the, in the beginning of Jesus' ministry, the Bible says that he was led into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. And the Bible says that the, that the Spirit led him there to be tempted of the devil. And, and while he was there, he had three temptations. Of course, we know the temptation to turn the stones into bread. And we know the temptation, and to that he said, It is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. Then he was lifted up. To the and that was a temptation of the appetite. Then he was lifted up to the to the pinnacle of the temple. The pinnacle of the temple. He was tempted. He was tempted to rise into the hierarchy of religious government, and that is a temptation. That if God doesn't promote it, you don't want any part to do with it. Don't try to posture yourself for that kind of a positioning. Because somebody said so beautifully, Brother Tenney said, he said, it's, it's our job to humble ourselves, and it's God's job to promote us. But if we insist on doing God's job of promoting ourselves, he'll do our job of humbling us. Jesus was taken to the pinnacle of the temple, and, and, and the, the highest, most 
the highest most point of religious governance he was tempted but he said thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God as he said to cast himself down no no thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God it is written the third temptation was that the devil took him and showed him all the kingdoms of the earth he showed him all the kingdoms of the earth folks let's don't just jump over that every kingdom all the perks all the privileges the son of man had not a place to lay his head on this earth but look at the palace you would live in if if you would let me give you this kingdom see the devil had had, had provided kingdoms to other people and many of the wealthy people you envy are wealthy because they sold their soul not everybody not everybody but there are some who had to sell their soul to gain the wealth of this world and so the Bible said be not envious of the wicked you have no idea what's awaiting the wicked do not be envious of the wicked you be thankful that's what the psalmist Asaph said he said I was envious so envious that my feet had well nigh slipped until I went into the sanctuary of God and understood their end that's when I realized oh I need to stop being envious and be thankful I'm in the sanctuary of God he showed Jesus the kingdoms of the earth he showed him the kingdoms of the earth and said I'll give you all these kingdoms do you know Jesus turned it down? It is written, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, soul, mind, and strength, and him only shalt thou serve. He turned them all down. He turned down every kingdom that was past. He turned down every kingdom that was to come. He turned every, down every kingdom that was present. He turned down all the kingdoms of the earth. All the money, all the fame, all the kingdoms of the earth. You want to know the real reason? Obviously, he told us why. It is written. Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, soul, mind, and strength, and him only shalt thou serve. But I want you to know, Jesus didn't want any of those kingdoms of the earth for this reason. None of them compared to the kingdom of heaven. All of them combined did not compare to what the Lord has in store for us. Hey. Stop building, stop building that carnal tower, that fleshly tower. That, 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 God, that God told you to do something else and you're over here, got brick and mortar and slime. God will confound it. You just, just go ahead and turn your heart to the Lord. And say, Lord, what would you have me do? Hallelujah. Could we just lift our hearts to him in this house? Say, God, I want, I, want, I want to be a part of what you are doing. I want to follow after you. I want to walk in your way. I, I want to live for you. I want your kingdom, oh God. Come on, that's it all across this house. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. <laughs> hallelujah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.
somebody. That's it. Just pour your heart out to him right now. Let him tear it down right now. Chicago. 